0: Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And thank you to my brother in Christ, brother Herb, for reminding me. Let's do our statement of faith. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I am a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I am obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I am enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and verse 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over the creeping thing that, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You may be seated. Amen. So this morning, uh, I am going to really ask God to bless us in our thought process as we hear this particular lesson. I'm going to ask right now, Father God, please bless us with the illumination of the Holy Spirit as we hear your word. I pray that I, Wilborn, step aside, Father God, and that your Holy Spirit speak through me for your glory. We pray that you will be given all of the glory and that all of us will be blessed with the illumination of the Holy Spirit and will hear your voice now. Please bless our ears to hear what you've called us to hear and to listen and do what you've called us to do. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. So, specifically, when we talk about Genesis, we are at creation. We are at the beginning. And I think we miss a great deal of what God did in the beginning when we are studying the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So, my objective this morning is to establish an understanding of how we can be effective as Christians. Effective is important. Don't just be Christian, be an effective Christian. Specifically, my objective is to help establish how our communication with God through understanding who we are is directly related to our ability to be effective as Christians. There are many ways to be effective as Christians, but this morning I want to focus on our communication. But I cannot talk about communing and talking with God if we don't talk about the beginning of who it is that we are. I won't quote people often, that's not my thing. I I don't, my dad is amazing at remembering quotes. I remember the word, the concepts of the word, scriptures. And, but I saw two quotes recently that I wanna share that speak specifically to what we're talking about this morning. The first one came from Nelson Mandela. And the reason it hit me is because I experienced this before. I experienced this as an educator when this happened. The quote was, if you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. If you talk to him in his own language, that goes to his heart. I'm gonna say that again. If you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. If you talk to him in his own language, That goes to his heart. Second quote is from a gentleman named James Conner. James Comer, I'm sorry. And James Comer, when I was an educator, there was always a push for us to read his book. And he had a quote in there that I I kept with me through the entirety of my career, even to this day. There is no significant learning without a significant relationship. There is no significant learning without a significant relationship relationship. So let's talk about Genesis 1.26. Let's kind of expound into what's going on here. I don't want to take for granted that we all just understand what's happening in Genesis. So in Genesis 1, we see the establishment of the earth. God is now creating the earth, right? Uh, Again, like I said, I don't want to take it for granted. On day one, the spirit of God is above the waters, but he creates day and night. Day two, he created the atmosphere and the firmament. Day three, the grounds and the plants. Day four, the sun, moon, and stars. Day five, the birds and the sea creatures. Day six, which we're going to focus on today, was the land animals and the humans. And on the seventh day, we know that he rested. But on that sixth day, he showed us something important that I don't think we emphasize enough. He introduced us to two things that he did that had not been done before to our knowledge. First, he introduced his triune nature. He introduced, who am I as God? If you go back through the scriptures and you look at verse 26, it says, then God said, let us, pluriform, make man in our image according to our likeness. Amen? So that is important because it introduces us to the concept of the Trinity. Huh, that's interesting. Now, there are a lot of theologians who fight this, Uh, you know, this and that. I had one person tell me, no, no harm, no foul, God bless him. He was like, yo, you'll just never understand the Trinity. And I was like, that's it? Because that's how you lose people in the faith. When you walk up to somebody and you just tell them, oh, you just won't get it, by. You either don't have an explanation or you don't know. So... What happened was, I said, okay, let's keep it going. So when God brought me back here, I always think about that brother. God bless him. I pray he's doing great things. But in the beginning, in Genesis 1 and 2, you don't have to turn there. It says that in the darkness, before everything was started, the spirit of God was hovering over the water. Now, I am going to turn to John uh, chapter 1, and I'll be reading from verse 1 through 3. I'm going to turn to John. You don't have to turn there because I will read it into your hearing. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And it says In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. So what does that tell us right there? That gives us three specific examples. The Godhead is speaking everything into existence. We know that the spirit of God was there because he was hovering above the waters before God even started talking. And then we know that the word was with God in the beginning. The word is Jesus. A lot of us struggle with that concept. Christ is often referred to as the living word. He is referred to as the living word because he is the spiritual and physical embodiment of God's word. He is God who is operating in the flesh. He is proving to us what we can do in the flesh if we operate according to the word. Amen? Amen. Don't let me get lost now. Look, somebody start tripping. Raise your hand. I'll slow down. Hey, I'm going to slow this thing down. So, that's what we got. First thing we're introduced is God's triune nature. The second thing we're introduced to is the first documented conversation. Pay attention to that. The first documented conversation was God's conversation within himself. Him talking to the Holy Spirit, him also talking to the Word who was Christ. In his, Let me make sure I say this right, because this is going to make sense later. Christ in his deity form. When we talk about this, we have to understand that means there is a level of importance to communication. Because in the beginning, the establishment of this earth, God communicated within himself as he went through what he had already planned to do. So we're going to learn here in a second, Jesus did the exact same thing in every momentous moment throughout His life. But the reason God can do that is because He understands who He is. So now let's relate that to us. Genesis 1:26, and God said, "Let us make man in our image and after our likeness." Let's focus on image. And likeness. First thing I want to talk about, we are not gods. Let me make sure I get that a point clear, get that across really clear. We are not gods. We have no form of deity that is us. Jesus did. For my theologians who like to dig into it, I won't do, do it here, his, the relationship within himself is called the hypostatic union. If you've never had a chance to look that up, go look it up, and it will give you a really good synopsis of what I'm talking about. His hypostatic union allowed him to operate as a man and deity in the same body. It is the relationship within himself. Now, Brother Rodney introduced me to that term like a year and a half or two years ago, And a lot of it changed my life because I took that to heart. When I started reading about it, it made me start asking myself questions about myself in the manner that I operate. So, specifically, an image. The definition of imagery is a representation of the external form of a person or thing. We are walking representations of who God is, but we are not God. But the important thing to catch that I want you to get out of this is the imagery and likeness. We just said God, the three in one, is God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We operate in that same triunity within ourselves, minus being deities. We have our physical forms, which is our flesh, that is the body, we have our souls, which is our spirit man, that is who we are, and we have he, the Holy Spirit, who is within us at the time of the resurre- uh, not the resurrection, the crucifixion, amen? So when the Holy Spirit came down, he established dominion within us. Here's the thing you have to understand. Each of these three assets operate differently. And the only way for us to be effective Christians is to understand how each one is supposed to dictate to the other. God built us as spiritual machines. Each piece of the machine feeds the other. As you're moving forward, from this day forward, whenever you do something, think of yourself as a spiritual machine created by God and To ensure you're in alignment, you got to make sure each piece is doing what it's supposed to. And we're going to talk about that. So your body, physical form. My spirit is in there. I already defined that, right? He, the Holy Spirit, is inside of me as well. I already defined that. This physical body gives me the ability to operate in a physical world. That's how that works. I know in Christianity we don't like to talk spirit a lot. I get it, but I always find that ironic seeing as God is a spirit. So we can't keep fighting against certain concepts because Brother L teed us up a couple weeks ago. What did he say? He was like, everything affecting you is not physical. There are some things that are spiritual. If you understand the concept that my body is a vessel for my spirit, The problem with the body is, not from God, when sin was introduced into the world, it set the mindset of the flesh awry. So my flesh wants things. I want, I want, I want. But then you have the second piece, which is your soul, or what we call your spirit man. Your spirit man is where you delve into your decisions. It's where you make your choices. It's where you have your emotions. It's the things you do. Whenever your body reacts, it is just based off of what your spirit man has said do. That's why your body reacts. But there can be a misappropriation to that because sometimes your body wants what it knows it shouldn't that affects the spirit. Kind of a side note, my personal study this year God, every year, has been giving me different studies, I've noticed, and I I don't know what next year's is going to be, but it's been interesting. This year, and the brothers have heard this, that's been on the book study. He's had me studying the concept of spiritual consequences for physical actions and physical consequences for spiritual actions. Think about it. I always like to think about it as a person who's always angry. Anger resides in your spirit. If you're always angry, you can always see it on that person's face because it melts their body. It always, it's, there's always a cycle. Your spirit will affect your flesh because your flesh reacts to what your spirit tells it to do. But if we walk around as Christians and we say, well, I ain't trying to be on all that spiritual, nah, 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 nah. well, you're never going to know anything. You can't be effective like that. If I play football and I don't know where the goal line is and I keep running out of bounds, like you gotta get off the field, bro. you don't know what you're doing. A, a, a touchdown? No, stupid. <laughs> so, 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 hey, I just you gotta call it how it is, right? Because if you don't know the rules, you don't know the rules. But in spirituality, in the God-created rules, and that's the way He established us. So I I'm not calling anybody stupid. Let me make sure I say that right. But let's talk about the rules and keeping them in order, right? So. Your spirit man makes decisions. Then you have he, the third person that dwells with inside of us, being the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, operates as a guide. At no time in your body will he, the Holy Spirit, operate out of order. But your spirit man and your flesh can do that. And I'm going to prove that here in the Word in a second. Your spirit man can act up. Your flesh can act up. He, the Holy Spirit, is going to sit and do his job because he's God. He's God's consciousness dwelling within inside of you. He is our guide. So that's important for us to understand. And I want to make sure that we, we get that uh, really, really across because what we're going to talk about here is communicating with God. And I'm going to tee it up early, but I want it to make sense. Why would you communicate with he, a spirit, in your flesh? Think back to the quote. If I'm talking to God because all of my prayers are transcribed through the Holy Spirit, through the spirit realm, to my God who resides in the spirit realm, spirit, 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 but I'm yelling from my flesh. God, I want a sandwich. I yell from my physical... It gets transcribed through the Holy Spirit. It gets to God. God says, back to the Holy Spirit, because now I'm supposed to be listening, right? In the Spirit, from a spiritual perspective. He may say, I want you to go to restaurant ABC and get the sandwich. But your flesh may say, well, I don't like ABC. I want Subway. What did the Spirit tell you to do? He said, go to ABC. ABC. So you go to ABC, hypothetically, you get to ABC, and then not only do you get a sandwich, but then you help save a soul, because the person you were supposed to come across to meet your mission was at restaurant ABC. So your flesh might be like, ah, I didn't want this sandwich, but a soul was saved, God is happy, and you're not supposed to be living by bread alone anyway. So the sandwich wasn't really all that important, was it? Now, from a picky eater's perspective, I really should watch myself with that right? So, because I don't eat any condiments. I'm going to just be honest. So, you know, I can be like that. I'm talking to myself. So, when one gets out of alignment, it affects the entirety of our mission and ability to be effective in serving God the way we're supposed to. That is a problem because we are here as Christians. We are here to help souls get to our Father who we know But if our flesh makes all the decisions and our spirit then starts listening to the flesh as opposed to vice versa, because he, the Holy Spirit, feeds information to the spirit, spirit's supposed to feed it to the flesh, flesh you go do, you meet the mission of God. But if you can't do that and you don't understand that, why would you do it? So when I say dumb, right, like I don't don't mean stupid, but you got to think, we're ignorant to certain things from a christianic perspective amen amen so let's talk about how this relates to to communication with god right think about it like this. i I went back and looked at this this was kind of crazy to me i didn't think it was gonna hit me like that but i was like wow god had me look up the top 10 reasons people divorce in the united states and i was like man that's interesting okay god I'm gonna read them, but I I want to show you a, a connecting thread. Infidelity, that's a communication problem. Finances, that's a communication problem. Weight gain, that's a communication problem. Lack of intimacy, that's a communication problem. Lack of equality, that's a communication problem. Lack of preparation, that's a communication problem. Addiction. That's a communication problem. Abuse. You tripping. That's a communication problem. Difference in religion. What were you thinking? That's a communication problem. And I've seen this happen, right? Like, it's no judgment at all, right? But I've seen it happen. I never thought I would see that happen in my life, but I've seen it. And you do have couples that walk with different perspectives on life. And each of those things can be tied back to the inability to communicate, which doesn't allow you to work through the situation. If you, if you feel like you gotta go cheat on your lady, or if you feel like you gotta go cheat on your man, I would advise you to communicate to your lady or man what you want. I mean, we, we play this game, I, we, we play, you know, Christian, holier than now. We all got here some way. So, that's how it works. If you have issues with your finances, She got an account. He got an account. She got a side account. He got three on the other side. Stop. Work together on how you put your money together. And I say this to brothers, but I say it to sisters too, because we all fall into this. So I'm not messing with that inequality statement. We all work. I don't care whether your job brings in green or your job produces an effort. If you work from home, if you're a stay-at-home, you work. Because I want to stay at home. I ain't trying to hit all that laundry, them dishes, be cooking, no. That's a lot of work. Brothers, just because you go to work doesn't mean there's no value on what you see when you come home. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. It don't work like that because a lot of the sisters and follow the trends if you like because I like to nerd out on stuff like that. Sisters are not playing. The female race is not playing. They are starting to lap men in education, salary, everything else. So keep playing with a sister and tell her no, you ain't this and you ain't that. When she bring that check in and show you what, what you say, you'll find out real fast. Okay. So, let's understand that our inability to communicate deteriorates relationship. Let's talk about this with God. When we do not know how to properly communicate with God, we affect our relationship with God. God is a spirit who operates under the rules that he established we are bound under those rules because we belong to Christ who died for us, bought us with a price who then therefore gives himself to himself being the God Father. If we don't follow the rules, we're out of order. This is not a, uh, what was the word? This is not like a, a vote situation. This ain't one of those. We have to follow the rules. Amen? So, When we deteriorate that relationship, we automatically put ourselves away from the mission. And that's a problem. Our job, why God put us here, was to achieve the mission and do what he's called us to do. But you cannot do that if you don't understand how you're supposed to go about that. And that's through communicating with God and letting him guide you to where you're supposed to go. He's not required to give us a manual upfront of everything that will happen. That's not a requirement. He doesn't have to do that. We listen to him. He talks through his Holy Spirit, who talks through him, who is the Holy Spirit, talks to our spirit. We tell the physical, and then you get going. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what does all that have to do with communication? Let's, make it, let's, uh, let's simplify and, and get it to where it needs to be. When you talk about communication, one of the things that I noticed with those 10 aspects is, one of the things I've noticed even with myself, my wife can't read my mind. She can't. You ain't got to shake your head on me. (laughs) My wife can't read my mind. But even further, God helped me to understand this. God can read my mind, and he still wants me to talk to him. That's the issue. He knows everything that's going on in my heart. He knows what's going to happen next. He knows what's going to happen three hours from right now. But he still wants me to communicate with him back and forth. So if my God wants that, why would I not do that in my own relationships? And if my God wants that, why would I not talk to him on the plane that is best and most appropriate for him, not me? And that's where we see in the Bible the reference of praying in the Spirit. So, I want to turn to Ephesians. And I'm going to set it up as you're getting there. I'm kind of cheating because I'm on a tablet. And, and I know where I'm going. So, Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to be reading from verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. But I, I'll be honest with you, I may start at 10. I apologize if I read a little quickly, but God revealed it to me not even 40 minutes ago, make this whole thing make sense. So recap, we established that uh, two important things we learned on the sixth day of creation. God is a triune God. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We also learned that the first documented conversation happened on the sixth day. It was God's conversation within himself which establishes that conversations are important. Communication is important. Secondly, we establish that we were made in God's imagery. His imagery is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Our imagery is the body, spirit man, our soul, and he, the Holy Spirit, that is within us. The Holy Spirit informs our spirit man. Our spirit man informs our flesh. Our flesh goes and does the mission that God called us to do. So we established those two things. Now, we start talking about communicating with our God, who is a spirit. I mentioned it quickly before. When we pray, the word says we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what we're asking for, we're just asking. Right? The problem with that is, it is very hard for you to hit your target if you don't know what you're aiming at. The Holy Spirit, he knows where we should be going. He is a spirit, God's consciousness, that dwells, many theologians argue this, but that dwells within our spirit man, right? So they look at it as a big circle. Your body's a vessel. Inside your body is your spirit man. Inside your spirit man is he, the Holy Spirit. Everybody has different different ways that they view that. Here's what's important about that. God is a spirit. We got to talk to God heart to heart. Paul is going to show us right here in relation, relating the whole armor of God to praying in the spirit. So I'm going to start at, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it real quick since I have time. I'm going to start at verse 10. And Paul, this letter, this is basically the end of Paul's letters. And he's coming to the end. He's right into the church of Ephesus. And as he gets to the end, he talks about the whole armor of God. Finally, brethren, I'm starting on verse 10. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts, of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having, listen to these things and listen to what he's saying because this is important. And God just helped me realize this. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Hmm. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Paul just aligned how we should be praying. When we pray to God, we should be praying in the spirit. But here's what's important to understand about that. Everything he described in the armor of God is armor to readily prepare your spirit to subjugate your flesh. Everything that you get The breastplate of righteousness, I can't put that on, wait a minute, everything he mentioned is to prepare our spirits, which are meant to subjugate our flesh, so that our flesh will do what it wants, but if our flesh gets to the point where it feels like I get to make the decisions, you'll never hit the target, and you'll never hear from the spirit, from he, the Holy Spirit, what you're supposed to be doing, and where your flesh is supposed to be going. That is important for us as Christians to be effective. You can't effectively affect the kingdom if you don't know where you're going. If you don't know who to listen to, it's impossible. If you're walking aimlessly, you may do good things on the way, and that's great. But to be effective at what you do, you have to have guidance. And who better to have guidance from than he, the Holy Spirit, God's consciousness, who is already in you. You have a spiritual GPS sitting inside of you. The target is already there. He's already marked the pin. You just got to listen to the directions through your spirit. And then let your spirit tell your flesh get to walking. Because the flesh... And I'll give you an example of this. For some of us, like, if the the Spirit, the Holy Spirit said right now to your spirit, go get your body in order, go start working out. First thing some of us would do would allow our flesh to tell us, ma'am, your leg hurt though. What about your back? Remember that gout? (laughs) That's the first thing that would happen. That's the flesh giving excuses but the flesh was not given the order. Your spirit was given the order from he, the Holy Spirit, which is the same as taking information from God himself. So why would we make the decision now to allow our flesh to tell us, nah, you can't do that, bro. Right? I mean, we got to think about these things. Look at the people in the Bible who have gone through this. Look at what, let's refer to what Jesus did in every monumental situation he dealt with. Because whenever he dealt with this, he showed us and gave us a a great example of one, how we should approach things through the spirit, but also how to focus our spirit. And that's something I took from, from this particular study that really hit me hard. So praying in the spirit, I always hear this, right? Is different. Like, I've never had a huge issue having a conversation with God. I'm thankful that He's blessed me to be able to do that with Him because He knows where I was and how my mindset was. And He's always led me the way I'm supposed to go. And He's blessed me in that. Even in the times where I thought, nah man, that's crazy. And I mean, like, you know my running joke, me and and God go back like waves and stocking caps, you know what I'm saying? So (laughs) I told my wife I was gonna do it. She was like, you better not. (laughs) I should've listened. But I've never had a a huge issue having a conversation with God. But I always found this weird. Whenever I mention it, I always get funny looks. I've always, to a T, 100%, 100 for 100. Every time I've ever mentioned that I can have a conversation with God, I've always gotten the response back of, really? How'd that work? So let's talk about how it works. When you pray in the Spirit, this is what Paul was referencing. When you pray in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit is not this, go light up candles, go do this crazy, it's not ritualistic, it's nothing like that. Praying in the Spirit is simply stated as a focused prayer. It is your ability to tune in and listen to when he, the Holy Spirit, is saying something inside of you. The world has tried to write this off as being your conscience. I guarantee you, in my youth, my conscience was, my conscience was not as nice as what I was told to do. I guarantee that. I got proof of people who can confess that. When the Holy Spirit tells you what to do, you do it. But it takes a focused prayer, and I want to reference back to what Jesus did before each of his monumental moments to get an idea of what it means to pray in the Spirit. So, let's go back. I'm gonna, you don't have to turn to these. Okay, so I'm just going to reference them because I don't want, I don't want you to have to uh, turn to them like that. What did Jesus do before he prayed? Before his baptism, when the heavens opened, what was he doing? He prayed. It was a focused prayer. He, he moved off to himself. He prayed. When he was in the wilderness after the baptism, he's getting ready to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. He's getting ready to put the flesh into subjugation so that he can hear the Holy Spirit better and do. That is why we fast. We fast to put the flesh in subjection. Like, I think we're seeing a theme here, right? We have to be able to subjugate our flesh. If you cannot subjugate your flesh, it will throw you off erratically from doing the mission God is giving you. It is hard. I, the, the concept, we are all humans, that is absolutely... God told us we were going to sin. But don't let anything keep you from repenting and moving on. And then putting that flesh back in check where it belongs. Because you're supposed to be listening to me. The the box for the toy don't tell the toy what to do. Like, it don't work like that. Now, you got to remember, we are complicated, created beings by God. So if our flesh wants to act on its own, it's going to try to. That's okay. That's cool. Tell them shut up and keep it going. Because the spirit man that's in you is what was ordained to think on your behalf. When you die, the spirit man will continue. The body goes back to the dirt. So all the dirt that was done on the body... You got to pay for spiritually now. Oh, yeah. It's not worth it. Because the spirit got to last. And it's either going to burn or it's going to paradise. Uh-huh. It's eternal. So you have to understand. And he, the Holy Spirit, he sitting back there like, I told you what to do. Like, I don't see the problem, bro. Like, you're supposed to be over here. You're over here. I told your spirit to tell your body to do this. You didn't want to do it. Okay. What do you do when your kids don't listen? Because I sure ain't giving hugs. <laughs> hey, right, yeah. My kids already know. My daughters, I love them to death. I remember people would always tell me, oh, you're not going to be able to discipline your daughters like you did your sons. My girls already know. Nah, bro. we just going to go ahead and... My bad. I was running. That was on me. I'm going to take it back to the room. Stay over there. Because they already know. So what am I saying with all this? I say this jokingly, but, and I, I stopped at the wilderness. But you can go through it. When, he was, when Christ was choosing the 12, when he was choosing the disciples, he prayed the whole night before. He focused himself in the spirit. When he was missing people, when he was feeling that anguish and that hurt, he prayed. That's one of the things that we've gotten away from. We keep talking about mental health and ignoring spiritual health. They're not two separate things. Your mental is in your spirit. So fix your spirit and your head will be right. That's all it takes. I know it sounds simple. It's kind of crazy. It's in the book. But that's part of the rules. We keep making up the rules as we go. And people are getting rich off the rules they made up. And then we as Christians are following them. Talking about, yeah, yeah, I gotta go see the psychiatrist. What is your psychiatrist background? Background? Are you gonna see Sister Carswell? Or are you gonna see the divorce court lady? Like, it's, you know, who, who are you gonna see? Who are you gonna talk to? Because if I'm gonna talk to somebody, I gotta know that they base their foundation off of the spiritual rules of this book. And what God told us to do because even if they can't say God and Jesus in the meeting, it's going to be God and Jesus principles that get us where we need to go. That's going to help us get back in alignment with God and the target and to get our spiritual health right. Because the spirit is your mental. They don't operate separately. Your brain is a computer that outputs what your spirit told it to do to the rest of this flesh so it does what it's supposed to do. So you have the right to subjugate it. That's how it works. Amen? Amen. So, and then last week we see Garden of Gethsemane. What did Jesus do? He prayed. When he was on the cross, before he gave up his spirit, what did he do? He prayed. It was a focused prayer in the spirit. That is what we as believers have to be doing. Before, have to do, before we can walk around and call ourselves effective at what we do, we have to know how to at least read the map. And we can't read the map if we don't know even what map we should be looking for. But he, the Holy Spirit, who dwells inside our spirit, man, already has it for us. That is God telling you what to do. So, I'm going to say this because I'm getting close to my closing time. There is no success in aiming at the wrong target. We pray in the Spirit to be led by the Spirit to be effective in our prayers. Praying in the Spirit is speaking to God's heart. He is a Spirit. We are spirits. In the end, when it's all said and done, we're going to be spirits. When we go, we're spirits. You know, that's it. So, why wouldn't I talk to he who I was created, created in his imagery in the same tongue? Because he's already within me. So he, the Holy Spirit, knows exactly what I should say. So when I talk to my God, I sound smarter because I got the cheat code already in me. Amen? Amen. Praying in the Spirit aligns us closer to God. That also establishes our relationship with God. The closer we get to God and the more comfortable we have having a conversation, the easier it is to have a relationship with him. Think about when you talk to one of your good friends, your spouse, significant others, it don't matter, boyfriend, girlfriend. There's a difference between talking and having a heart-to-heart. There's a significant difference between you looking each other in the eyes and being able to have a heart-to-heart. So now what if you had that kind of conversation with God, spirit to spirit? That aligns us with who my God is. Obviously, I'm down here, and he's way up there. And all of that's being transcribed through the Holy Spirit to him. But if I'm allowing my flesh to operate, God, I need more money. God, I need a new car. God was on my retirement. What's going on with this economy? My hedge fund looks stupid. You know, like we, we, we. <sighs> hold up. What that got to do with God? Because if you need a new one, you already got one. If you want more, you already got some. If you ain't got none, then you should ask. <laughs> Amen? But ask in the spirit. So I hope that the point got across of what we're trying to do in this. I had this happen to me this week. I'm glad God allowed it to happen to me. But uh, I will get ready to close on this. I I had a significant situation happening at work, and I was getting ready to go in uh, to talk to some of the higher-level leadership. And, you know, I had already prayed before, thankfully, glory be to God, before I walked into this office. But basically, when you walk into the office, it's fast-paced. So they say, hey, We give you 20 minutes to prepare. We'll give you the questions. You get 20 minutes. You go over the questions, write down your answers, and then you're going to go in and talk to me. And the one thing that God did that He blessed to help inform this particular lesson was I get in there. The guy said, All right, you ready? Go ahead, sit down, man. I sit down. He gives me the paper. He puts it in front of me. There's a list of long questions, right? So about five paragraphs, almost five paragraphs. He said, You got 20 minutes. Go. So I take my pen and I'm writing, but I could feel the nerves. Like, I could feel it. See, when I get up here, nerves don't really hit me like that. Glory be to God, because I love this. But when it's something involving my family, I'm just saying my personal testimony, I have to work on those things, because my family is important to me. And because I know that this can have a big effect on my family, it feeds the enemy to kind of be like, man, you should be nervous you didn't get worked up, bro. Like, you know, I'm glad I'm not Brother Wayne cutting hair, man, because everybody lining me. <laughs> so when I'm sitting there, I tell myself, okay, I want to pray. All right, pray. But I could hear everything going on around me. I, I was struggling with my focus. And I know I'm supposed to be praying to God in the spirit, but I'm struggling with my focus. I could hear every step. I could hear every conversation. I could hear every conversation. Oh, Who is that? He come from. Oh, oh. And I'm saying there thing to myself, like, all oh, y'all need to shut up. Because I cannot focus. So I just like, God, you know, please bless this situation. I'm now I'm praying in the flesh. There wasn't, it wasn't a focused prayer. Now, thankfully, God had me in prayer before ever walking in there to be focused. But I just found it amazing. I was like, I told you, me and God go back. So I struggle. I was like, how can I not get focused right now? But it happens, and that just tells me where I need to grow. So for us as believers, when the church is offering focus fast on Mondays, I understand, like, schedule fast is not for everybody. I get it, but it's great practice to help us really get an understanding. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit, to operate in the Spirit? So we're not so focused on my flesh wants, I must get. My flesh needs, but it's not really a need, it's a want. Like, we don't need to eat on a regular basis like that. It's not a need. It's not, it became a desire that we misappropriated as a need, right? And the flesh does stuff like that. I see people laughing. I ain't going to look. <laughs> but, but I understand. I understand. I ain't get this spare tire because I was fasting all day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I say all that because. We need to ensure that we're praying in the spirit when we commune with our God because praying in the spirit allows he, God's consciousness, the Holy Spirit to tell us the right things to do to be effective as Christians. Don't Stop looking for the target because if you don't understand how to even look for the target, you got to go figure that out first. And that's what we are. We need to correct ourselves in that situation first and then walk the way God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, I slapped my iPad. Oh, my goodness. Amen. I have four appeals. The first appeal is for salvation. If you want to know more about this, we have leaders around that you can talk to. Second, my second appeal is for church membership. I know Pastor would love to have you here. I know Striving would love to, to have you here. I love being here. And that is open. If, if you desire that, please raise your hand. My third appeal is for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you seek to be baptized, please raise your hand, and we have leaders that can give you inside expert information on baptism of the Holy Spirit. My final appeal is for prayer. This is a time for us to put into action what God has called us to learn today. Let's focus our prayer to him and ask him, what should we be doing in this time? Where should we be going? How should we be operating? Amen? Now we're open for prayer. Amen. Merciful God in heaven, we come before you right now again to say thank you. We thank you for the opportunity, Father, to either be able to sit in this house To either be online or wherever we may be and to hear your word father god so that we can be more effective as christians for you father focus specifically on praying in the spirit father god that we can have a heart-to-heart with you led by your holy spirit he the holy spirit to do it what it is you've called us to do we thank you for being our god and for this morning we pray that your angels are encamped around us all that our homes are blessed And that you were given all of the glory in this word. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, name we pray and thank you. Amen.